welcome to the book club interview. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Today is David Allen, who wrote the book, Getting Things Done. Your mind is for having ideas, not for holding them. That's why David Allen created Getting Things Done. GTD is the work-life management system that helped countless individuals and organizations bring order to chaos. GTD enables greater performance, capacity, and innovation. It alleviates the feeling of overwhelm, instilling focus, clarity, and confidence. After decades of in-the-field research and practice of his productivity methods, David wrote the international bestseller, Getting Things Done. Published in over 20 languages, Time Magazine heralded as the defining self-help business book of its time. In 2015, he released a new edition of the book with new insights, updates, and discoveries about the world of getting things done and its many personal and professional applications. Today, David Allen is considered the leading authority in the fields of organizational and personal productivity. The David Allen Company oversees a certification academy and quality standards for global partners offering getting things done courses and coaching around the world. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing today? Hi, Scott. Uh, yeah, delighted to be here. Uh, happy for the invitation. You know, I really let's appreciate have, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's have fun. Let's do it. All right. Um, now, you've been called one of the world's most influential thinkers on productivity. So, what does productivity mean for you, and what is the purpose of GTD? Productivity is achieving desired results. You want to go on a vacation to relax, and you don't relax. That's unproductive. So, unfortunately, productive. Productivity has a bit of a baggage around the word, like work harder, stress faster, or you know, whatever. And you know, if that's your game, fine. Uh, but that's not really what productivity is about. It's about getting to that state. And you know, here's a big secret, Scott, about getting things done. It's not so much about getting things done. It's about getting yourself in a state of mind where you're in the flow, where you're just present with whatever you're doing. Because that's the most productive state to hit a golf ball from, or cook spaghetti from, or, or fire somebody from, or, you know, or just have a have a cool conversation from. Is when there's nothing on your mind except whatever you want on your mind at that point. So as a kind of a freedom junkie myself, you know, I, years ago I just tried to discover how do I keep myself free and clear in my head as my life got more complex. So that's really where this methodology came from, and 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 really sort of what that's about. Okay, so we're trying to get to that ready or optimal state. So how does one get there? Well, first of all, you gotta get stuff out of your head. Your head is a crappy office and most people are trying to manage their life from their head. Your, your brain did not evolve to remember, remind, or prioritize or manage relationships uh, between more than four things, new research. So Great. You, you, try to, you try to handle what you know the late great Peter Drucker called knowledge work which means you actually have to think about the email. No email you're getting right now while we're talking is going to tell you what to do with it. You have to sit there and think. You know, sorry, don't shoot the messenger here. But thinking is going to have to be required to try to figure out what the hell do I do with all this crap that's showing up in my day that I've let into my life with social media, with email, with the, you know, with the fast change in the world and, you know, and all the expectations of my, my job, my company, my my family and you know, whatever. In a sense, nothing new. They thought the telephone was going to blow up the world because it, you know, it, it created such new input from people that they weren't used to. So this is nothing new as a, as a, as a, in a sense, a, a, 
something that you have to deal with and learn how to manage and, and then navigate through. It's just that the volume and the speed of it is so different now. So there's nothing new except, except how frequently things are new. So given that, uh, building the algorithm about how do I, what do I need to think quickly about this email and not have to just go huh, and close it up again and still have it hang there. Just that, I figured out that algorithm and just that simple little algorithm it has huge transformational implications for people. If they start to manage their life that way, as opposed to sort of essentially playing victim to their stacks, they open up, they go, huh, and close it up again. Or they pick up the thing, you know, they pick up this thing from, you know, look, I'm living in Amsterdam now, I don't speak Dutch very well, but I get a lot of stuff in Dutch and I pick it up and I go, oh God. In Google Translate, I'm going to have to, huh, huh, the tendency to put it back in my inbox is so huge. So training yourself to not not do that or not do that very long, you know, so I, you know, I'll do that very often during the day, but I won't let that sit around longer than 24 to 48 hours. So learning how to then deal with all these new inputs that come into our life and make the right decisions we need to make about them. So they're not hanging into our psyche. They're not grabbing our attention. They're not exhausting wind out of our sails, which is what most people do simply because they're trying to, they, they think that without an external, they don't need an external system to alleviate that pressure. So I just figured out the algorithm. A, you need the external brain. Here's how you create the external brain and here's the content you put in that external brain so that your mind is then freed up to do what it does best, which is make good, intelligent, intuitive, based choices off your options, not to try to remember what they are or even figure out what they are. You should have already done that. Great. Now, I, I believe you call them open loops in the the book. When you say, I got my watch, it just broke. Oh my God, I gotta get it fixed. Oh. You got an open loop. Throw the watch away, decide you don't want a new one, or I wanna get it fixed. That's an open loop. Something that you need to go, what are you doing with that? What do you, and that's like get a new watch or get a life. It could be either and anywhere in between. But as soon as you make a commitment that I would, could, should, need to, ought to, might want to do something about this, that's the stuff that you need to start to inventory, categorize, get out of your head, clarify, and, and stop your head from trying to bang around about that stuff. That's what's new in the world, you know, in the last hundred years is that the world is not as simple as there's a fire I need to light, there's a bear I need to run away from, there's a child, crying child I need to deal with, there's a thunderstorm coming up and I need to, you know, cover the tent. You know, that was about it. A hundred years ago, it started to change. You know, you started to get an email about the, the tent you might buy. <laughs> or the, you know, or the, 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 the two seminars down the street about how to raise your little crying child so they're not crying anymore. It's like, oh my God, you know. So we, we, we have a whole very different world of inputs that do not have a simple algorithm about how to engage with it like our world did just 100 years ago. Okay. So this is, that's, the, that's the new thing, is the, requ the requirement to have to figure out how to think about what's coming into your world and what you've let into your world. Interesting. And, and can you explain the mind like water? Is that getting to that ready and optimal state when you, yeah. when you have a place for, okay. Yeah, yeah. water's not confused. If you okay. haven't noticed, it deals very <laughs> appropriately. 
more elegantly. It's kind of like when you get on an elevator with four people and a fifth person comes on, you will all reconfigure yourselves appropriately as far distant as you can from everybody else in the elevator. Just watch. So there's a natural kind of a, a, a get to some sort of an equilibrium state that, that happens automatically. Water does that, you know, sort of kind of more obviously than anything else. And also water is highly powerful. Just look around. You know, although it looks very fluid and very weak. So that was Bruce Lee's, you know, sensei who basically taught him about the mind-like-water state. Called you need to be that flexible, that relaxed, that that unreactive state so that you can optimally focus on what's coming toward you. So that, that I stole that image. I, I did get a black belt you know, in, in my 20s in karate. So I stole that image because it's, it's an appropriate image. You know, it's kind of like, well, just being ready. Are you ready for what's coming toward you? Right. You've got 2,000 unprocessed emails right now, Scott, in your email. You're not ready. You're, even a cool opportunity is going to press your button and, 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 you know, and bother you simply because you've got a whole lot of other stuff. You don't know how to you know, evaluate that against. Right? That's already in your world, but you haven't clarified, you haven't organized it, you haven't reviewed it and reflected on it. So this whole process I figured out was how do I take this you know, voluminous stuff that's with some regularly and change regularly and fast. And how do I keep current about that so that when something new shows up, I can evaluate against all the other options and make a quick decision, yes or no? Or where does that go? Or where, how do I deal with that? That's what I figured out. And pretty simple behaviors that everybody knows how to write things down. Everybody knows how to make a next action decision. Everybody knows how to keep a list. Everybody knows how to look at the list and decide which errands you need to run and what to buy at the store. So there are no behaviors here. There are anything new for anybody. What's new is to be able to apply that to the more subtle and voluminous aspect of the things that then grab our attention and then what we need to do about them and how we need to what we need to decide about them and how we organize them. Great. So let's jump right into the five steps. Um, yeah. You have capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. So capturing all these open loops and all these things that are grabbing our attention, what's, what's the best way to capture? Pen and paper. Yeah. Here. Like right here on my desk. It's like you know, this the, the high-tech stuff. <laughs> this is... Oh, yeah. So... So, that, so there's a note I made, you know, right before I got online with you, um, about what mic you were using, right? There it is. Okay. So I don't know what to do with it. I may go, look, Scott's a dummy. I'm not going to pay any attention. I may throw that away. I may decide to make a next action about that. I may create a project called Make Sure I Upgrade or Research a Way to Upgrade All of My, you know, Podcasting and Interviews that, that, that whatever I do. I don't know. I don't know yet. But what I'm going to do with that is take that note that I just wrote and throw it into my entry. I'll decide later because I don't have the time or bandwidth or interest to make that decision right now, but I don't have to because I have a trusted capture system. So that's the capture function. Grabbing something that might be useful, might be interesting, that I might need to decide or do something about. But I want to do that right now. I'm just going to capture. So if you, if anybody takes notes in meetings, that's exactly what that is. You, you're just capturing potentially interesting, valuable information. But I haven't decided yet whether that's reference trash, whether I need that later after the meeting or not. 
right? But that's what you're doing. You're doing a capture function. So capture for me is low tech because I didn't have to turn anything on. I didn't have to create the clicks. Wi-Fi and batteries are not required. So for my capture function, 95, 98% of that is low tech, simply because that's not a permanent, that's not my permanent system. That's not what I want to access from multiple sources or whatever. I just need a placeholder for something that then I need to give myself permission to come back around and make decisions about. And that's where step two and three. So that's the capture process of just grabbing stuff that might have my attention. Any way you can do it, as long as you get it out of your head, and as long as you park the placeholder somewhere that you trust you'll see sooner than later and decide what to do about it, if anything. Then step two and three are, are okay, what, what am I going to do about this note? Okay, how do I get rid of this note? I'm not going to put it back in my end basket. That's the, that's the key. If I go, huh, and stick it back in bed, you know, then, then this stuff piles up and my life becomes an overwhelming sense of undecided, unclarified stuff. I'm going to have to decide, okay, David, come on. So what are you going to do about that? So I may decide, well, that's a research the web about that AT220 mic. Okay. Can I do that? There's a list? Probably. In which case, I'll probably do that. So I can just take a look at what it is, see if it sounds cool, see what the interviews of it are, and either order it or go, yeah, yeah. You know, screw it. I'm not going to do it or this way. But I, that may also trigger. Oh wait a minute! I might want to research getting a better mic than this Apple you know, earbud set, uh, and then I'll may, may decide to make a project about that, in which I'll do something else about it. But the note it was just a placeholder, and then I had to move through step two and three. Step two is to clarify what exactly is that, David? Is there a next action on that? Can you finish in two minutes? Is it just reference? Is it trash? Is there a project now that that just and then I need to go through that thinking process and clarify the results of that thinking. And then if I can't finish all that in a moment, I need to organize some reminder. Okay, where am I going to put that project? Well, I got a list of projects. I got 30 or 40 of them right now. I just stick that on the project called R&D, you know, uh, audio set for podcasts, right? And then what's the next step? Oh, geez, I don't know. Let me surf the web about that. And so I made and put a note on my online apps that I need to do when I'm online to just go surf the web about that. Then I get to throw this away because now I've now organized that step three into my trusted system of lists and reminders of work that I've decided I needed to do, you know, when I, when I have time and focus to do that. So that's the step one, two, and three. I captured, I clarified, I then organized those results. And then I need to review it when I'm online, have time. I need to see, oh, yeah, that's something I need to do. I need to take a look at whether the A220 microphone is something I need to go research and spend some time, take a look at it or whatever. And then I reflect on that. And then looking at all of that, as well as all the other things I have on my plate, you know, of commitments that I might need to evaluate, step five is engage. So then I either go do that, I go take a nap, I go have a beer, have a glass of wine, or whatever I do and then decide that's the trusted thing to do, but I'm not missing it. I'm current. And so that's the five-step process. I didn't make that up, Scott. I identified it. That's how you get your kitchen clean. That's how you, that's how you get your uh, 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 meeting under control. You identify what's off here. 
you know, what do we need to clarify and, and have an action about to get it on instead of off? How do we organize those results in some appropriate you know, context? How do we then make sure we step back and take a look at the larger picture now that we've, you know, captured, organized it, so that then when we engage, we're gonna, we're on. We don't have to have our attention on anything else. So I just identified that five-step process, and each one of those stages has its own best practices and and their own tools. It's not one thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually a holistic model of how do you get your kitchen and your consciousness under control. Great. Now, do you, when you engage, do you prioritize, you know, that um, to-do list? Do you say, you know, here's my top priority. I have to set a time in the day, or is it, you know, when you have time and try to fit it in? Yes. <laughs> All the above. I just look at the whole thing. You go, what do I feel like doing right now? So ultimately, once you get your head clear and clean, and you feel comfortable that you've been reviewing this regularly, and, and you know, part of the, the, you know, my what we uncovered is you better be doing at least what we've identified as the weekly review, or once a week, you better everything current, clean, kept, kept up, you know, and so forth. So you take a look at that. You don't have time to think. You need to have already thought. When you get off this podcast with me, Scott, you don't have time to think. You need to have already thought, right? So that then at that point, given what's showing up in your world, whether it's from kids or life partner or the email or or your your stomach or God knows what shows up that then starts to drive, you know, what has your you can more have make a trusted choice about whether you take a nap or whether you need to clean up email or whether you need to spend some quality time with a kid or a spouse or you know, whatever. And that's that's the whole idea of making this sort of extra it doesn't get rid of your challenges. It makes it a whole lot easier to grapple with them from the driver's seat instead of the victim mode, being driven sort of by latest and loudest. Mm -hmm. Now, is is there a way that you, I'm sure you've streamlined the process and you're always continuing to grow because that's the type of person you are? Now, does your list ever get so large that you get overwhelmed, or is that where the weekly review comes in, where, you're, like you said, you're cleaning up and you're continuing to prune? Mm, it's another kind of yes on, on all of that. It, a lot of it depends on the volume, speed, and the, the nature of what you're doing. Now, you know, come on, I'll be 70 years, so, you know, I've structured my life, so there's not that many, I don't have that many operational projects and things that I have to handle on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. I still have a lot of stuff to do, so I'm still looking at that, but I don't need to look at that at quite as, as, as a regular, frequent recursion as a lot of people might need to if they're much more involved in an operational life in that way. There were times where I needed to review my whole life three times a day because <laughs> it was coming at me so fast. You know, it's like, oh my God, wait a minute. Because when you're dealing with what's in front of you, you, you have to, by nature and by efficiency, you know, filter out everything else. Right. So you're down in the weeds. I need to work with the weed. You just to make sure it's the right weed. So you need to make sure that you're, you know, sort of on some consistent basis looking at enough to say, that's a weed I need to get down into. But when you're down into that, you don't want to be focused on anything else. When you stop focusing on that weed, okay, boom, the ability to, be able to shift horizons rapidly, you know, relative to your commitments or relative to your systems. But you can't do that in your head. Your office is such a crappy office, it can't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, most people have 30 to 100 projects. 
get tires on my car, hire the vice president, launch the ad campaign, research a new mobile phone thing, fix the tooth. And my dentist just said, I, that, that, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people actually really identified all the things that have grabbed their attention that they have any commitments about. You know, that's something that 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 you need to make sure you've got the internal brain that's 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 that's, that's captured, clarified, and organized all that, so that some part of you can then start to trust your moment. Okay, let me look at all that. Screw it, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> and that's a that's a high nap. You know, as opposed to let me take a nap to avoid my life. I'm taking a nap because nap is the best thing to do in my life. Those are two <laughs> very different naps. Believe me. So that's what this methodology was about. Okay. How, how do we create those behaviors essentially that make sure that those are trusted choices, not hope for choices? And, and that's not free. You don't get there by meditating or drinking. I know I do both. You know, so, but those for different, very different purposes. But, but you can only get clear by getting clear. You, the way out is through, guys. I mean, you got you got to sit down and figure out. Wait a minute. What did I just commit to about that? AT220, $120 mic. What, are you, what is that? What am I going to do about that? You, I, I've got to deal with that. I can't just ignore that and let that pile up into some huge amorphous pile of undecided un stuff. Even little stuff. I mean, come on, that's not you know, probably life mission critical. Though I don't know right now. Maybe it is. Could well be the quality of the audio on these podcasts is going to become that much more important given the way the world is moving in terms of how we're communicating with each other and how I promote my brand and my work and my methodology and so forth. So it's like, who knows? So I don't want to have to make that decision right now. What I want to make is a decision to, to, to get in control of that commitment or potential commitment so that I don't have to be bothered by it. And I can know what I need to do next about it and to move that forward. So I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to know how to move on it. And that's that's what I really figured out. And that's unique because that you're not born doing that. And you don't do that naturally. You actually have to train a cognitive muscle to to get I have to that's a cop to what what to do about this thing, you know. Most people haven't trained themselves what to do about this. So I can tear this up and throw it away, because right? that's the that's the end game here, is to get rid of the placeholder, because I I've, I've now decided what it means where this goes in my life, and I don't need the placeholder anymore. So that's the difference between capture, which is stage one, and organize, which is stage three. I don't know what I'm going to organize about that. <clears throat> I'll decide that later, but I know that I don't have to think about that now. My brain is relieved of that pressure. I didn't even remember I'd even done that. It was just a few months ago before we started the podcast. That's great. Now, can you explain the power of the next action decision? Now, is that part of the organizing process, the reflection? Or no, the that's, the cl- that's the clarification process. Wait a minute. Clarification. Okay. Am I, is this something that's fun? And is something, what does moving look like and where does it happen? Right. Anybody listening to this, what's on your mind right now? Everybody listening to this, by the way, has probably had their mind move somewhere else while you and I have been talking that has nothing to do with what you and I are talking about, right? So if they really had this process down, they would have written that down so that they could then question us if they wanted to. Not that they had to, but if they wanted to listen to us, their mind got distracted 
think that's not they're not appropriately engaged with yet. So they need to have captured that thought and then decided, well, wait a minute, what's the very next step on this if there is one? So that decision-making process, again, doesn't happen by itself, and it's powerful. Most people won't make that decision because there is the perfectionism that sits inside of everybody. I want to know how to do this perfectly before I figure out what even to do first. You know, and it's like, write a book, great. Write a shitty first draft. That's your, that's your, that's, that's, that's the only coaching anybody, any writer has ever given anybody. Write a shitty first draft. Because you won't know until you start to write it down and start to engage with it or whatever. So the whole idea is engage, you know, the old, you know, Top Gun, you know, Tom Cruise, Maverick, Maverick, engage, engage, engage. <laughs> it's yeah. like we're, everybody's freaked out to start to move on their stuff. Well, what does the movie look like and where does it happen? Email to send, there's a website to serve, something to talk to your life partner about, something to buy at the store. What's next? And what's so surprising to me, I mean, I'm 35 years of doing this work, is how people resist that decision. What's next? Getting a dog for your kids, researching, should they take karate classes, uh, divorce, uh, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, how about my life insurance? What, what, what am I going to do about that? Yada, yada, yada. And most people, it takes one to six hours just to identify the things that are wrapped around their brain. Most people have no idea how many things they've committed to that are, that are banging around in there. Because they can only remember one at a time. And usually they remember them at three o'clock in the morning when they can't buy cat food. They can't do anything about their life. Right? And that's because they're trying to use your head as their office, and it's a crappy office. It wasn't designed to do that. No, it's great to know. So when I got your book, I, I printed out the actual process because I'm a visual guy and I like to see it. Yeah, so yeah. Sure. I actually framed and had it right here by my desk. So we have this stuff, as you call it, goes in the inbox and you figure it out. And is it actionable? Yes or no? So can you explain, let's just start with no. You have a trash, a someday maybe, or a reference? Yeah. Uh, AT220 Mike, right? Is it trash? After we get off, I go, I'm not ready to look this stuff right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sounding fine on my Apple earbuds. You know, come on, I've heard a gazillion recommendations about mics. You know, trash. I may go, that's a cool possibility. So I'm going to get some sort of a database I have of, hey, potential microphones I might want to get and just stick it in there. And I'll tear this away. I may go, you know, I need to look, up, look more into what this thing is. So I may just take a next action. It might be a two-minute action where you go, let me just do a, a, a quick Google search on AT220 mics, see what shows up. Then based upon what I see there, I may make some other decision at some point. Or I may say, yeah, I, I trust Scott that he made a great decision about this. I'm going to get this. So then I make a project called Set Up New AT220 Mic. And then I go, so what's my next action on that? Huh? Okay, let me surf the web and see where in Amsterdam is the coolest place to, that I can order this and actually get one. And then set that up as an action. So would you use the two-minute rule with that one if the next action? Yeah. 
if I could do it in two minutes, I would. Okay. Yeah. Now, is has the two minute rule kind of helped you? You know, to to kind of get those uh, it's, things. It's, on. it's it's transformed thousands of people's lives. You know, over the last thirty years, I've had executives tell me that was worth the total price of admission in terms of everything they paid me to coach them or whatever, just for the two minute rule. If they didn't have it already, which says, look, once you decide. See, most people will decide what the next action is, so they can't implement the two-minute rule until they decide what the next step is. Once they decide what the next step is, oh, let me just email them about that. I can do that in a second. Let me just search the web and see how much that costs. And that just takes two minutes. It adds six months to your life, just in terms of <laughs> becoming more Teflon as opposed to, <laughs> you know, that's something I might want to do. Let me stick it over there. Come on. Grow up. Make a decision. Step, and if you can do it in two minutes, just do it right then. And that's just simply the the efficiency algorithm it says, look, if, if you're ever going to do it at all, and it takes less than two minutes, it will take you longer to organize it and track it and review it than it would be to finish it right now. So that's why the two minute rule kind of showed up. It was, that was pretty much the the dividing line between, look, if you could finish it now, it'll take you less effort than trying to track it and review it later. Smart efficiency. Now, if yeah. it's a multi-step project, how does that look? You know, let's just say this. You know, you got to purchase it, you got to review it, you got to get it, you got to set it up. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I'll, first of all, I'm going to identify what the end game is: optimal audio podcast. So, if I made that decision right now, which I, if I did, I said, okay, that goes in my project list. So now I have the goal, I have the goal line. I know the, where the goal is, right? What's the next step? Okay, well, I decide this, that, or the other. If I go, well, here are all things I might need to consider about this. Now we're doing project planning, collateral thinking around the outcome. That's where I would probably uh, click open Mind, Mind Manager, which is my software for mind, for mind mapping, and I just started I just started Mind Map on, okay, audio. And then I'd create a link called here's options, here's whatever, and I'd start, I'd start just generating you know, collateral material that might be relevant to getting to this outcome. Right. So those are those are actually three things. What's the desired outcome? What's the next step? And if there's anything in between, and I might want to capture that somewhere, but I can't trust that I remember automatically, then I need to create some sort of project support material or project support, you know, uh, information that I park somewhere, however you do that. And that could look like anything. So just somewhere that I keep all the data relative to this thing. So if I take the next step and I'm not sure what's next, let me go back to my collateral and see you know, what else might I want to do given all the other thoughts I've had about this project. Great. Now, in terms of calendar, I didn't know this before I read your book, but what should be on there? I, I, I got it with action steps and I had everything like reminders on there and it was just chaos. Yeah. Well, your calendar should be the hard landscape for the day. What are the things that you have to do or need to know on that day? Mm -hmm. right. If you don't have that, if it includes anything else, then you have to keep, re every time you look at your calendar, you have to keep, wait a minute, what's real, what's not here? And a lot of things get disturbed or otherwise. And I need to know, the night before, the first thing I look at is my calendar to know how long I can sleep. Because I'm a sleep addict. I love to sleep as long as I can. So, you know, last night I looked at, well, I had a 
podcast interview this morning with Australia, and I had to be up at 8 o'clock to do that early for me because a lot of my stuff is with California, so I'm usually a later night person. So anyway, so just being aware of that, and then with you, you know, at 2 o'clock my time, and then I've got another uh, uh, podcast I have to do it in, in a couple of hours. So I looked at that to see, okay, here's the hard landscape. There's nothing else on that calendar except that. So I know I need to now organize my day around that and to know sort of how to frame that to begin with. All my other possibilities, I've got 10 errands to do. I've got, you know, 14 things to do online. I've got, you know, probably um, 40 things to do just to do on my um, uh, at computer list. I've got you know, stuff to talk to my wife about. I've, so I've got most people have 150 to 220 things they need to do in and around the have-tos that they have to do. But I need to make a distinction, a clear distinction between those things. So I need to know, well, I'd look at, you know, let me look at my calendar right now. If I looked at my calendar right now, uh, this week, mm, I'll find some examples. Uh, for instance, tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow is June 1st on my calendar. I don't know when you're publishing this. So I've got um, the the place that services our bikes, our bicycles, and we live in Amsterdam, so that's a, you know, uh, critical stuff. I ordered a new bike that's due tomorrow. So that's just a piece of information I need to know. Uh, I have a manuscript that I need to review because I promised a guy that if I could, if I had the time at all, I'd try to get back to him with some sort of endorsement or, or some you know, context of that. And so that's a piece of information I need to know about tomorrow, as well as I have a new sort of monthly discourse that I read from my sort of inspirational source that I you know, get motivational stuff from. And every month they get a new one. So tomorrow is the first of, the, of that month. So I have a reminder to do that. So that's on my calendar. There's nothing else on my calendar except those. So I have time-specific stuff, actually, which tomorrow happens to be nothing, and I have day-specific stuff that I need to do. And none of that was stuff I had to do. And then I have day-specific information, and all three of those things were that. I need, I'm now aware that my the bike I ordered should be due by now. I also am reminded that I need to review something by something coming up to work toward me. So those are the three things that are on my calendar. And I can look back and, you know, last Monday was when I had some, some, you know, blue jeans that were, that were altered in terms of their, whatever, at a tailor. So they were, they should have been done by then. So that was just information I needed to know. So my calendar is full of really important information. So when I look at it, that's the stuff I need to do, stuff I need to know about that day and on that day and nothing else. So that I can make sure those are real clean and that's real clean information for me. So I feel comfortable at that. All the other stuff, hundreds of things that I could do are on other lists that I'll see when I have the time and energy and interest to take a look at those as options. Okay. So you long, check long off answer the short question, but that's yeah. <laughs> but it but it's great to be specific. I mean, that's it, it that will change your life right there because if you have too much on your calendar, you know, too many open loops, everything's pulling and, and you get nothing done and 
and I know uh, definitely a lot of listeners are struggling. I think everybody's really struggling with time management. You know, you don't get more of it, but you have to see what works and find a system like GTD to get through the weeds and focus on what you need to get done. Absolutely. Now, in terms of, you know, you've trained and coached many thousands of people. So what's the first thing you do uh, when you get a new client? Uh, introduce myself and hope they like me. And, uh, you know, basically, how much time do we have? And what are their objectives about all this? Well, if you're talking about the real operational thing, what they do is say, yeah, David, I want to get more space, more clarity, more in control or whatever. The first thing we do is actually work through, I describe what this process is, and then we do a hands-on implementation of the process. So step one is capture. So the first thing we do is like, okay, first thing we're going to do is we're going to capture everything that's got your attention. Anything that's not on cruise control in your life and work, we're going to capture a placeholder for all those things. So first thing I do is look around. If I'm at their workspace where they do most of their work, I say, oh, what doesn't belong here permanently? What's stacked up on your desk? What's under the desk, out of the desk, in the drawer, pocket, whatever, in your briefcase? What doesn't belong here permanently? Because that represents something you've got an open loop in. So that's a pretty graphic, immediate way to start to capture what's got people's attention. What doesn't belong in your purse, your pocket, your wallet, your briefcase? So if I ask you, Scott, right now, if you pull out your wallet right now or your or your pack or whatever, what what's been in there? What besides money has been in there longer than than two days? It doesn't belong there permanently. So that's the first place we'll start because those are things that got your attention. They're yelling at you, whispering at you, screaming at you, or you've gone numb to because you don't like the noise. So we just grab all that stuff and throw it into your entry. First, we would get you an entry if you don't have one. Most people don't even have a physical space to start to collect all that stuff that still needs other decisions to pay about. So we get you an end basket. We get you a big stack. And then, and then and so we, we throw all that stuff in. There are notes that represent those. You might say, oh, my God, I, I just inherited a file cabinet from the guy I just, you know, just replaced and it's still over there in the corner. So we don't put the file cabinet in your end basket. We just write a note called file cabinet, you know, you know. <laughs> Or, you know, remove, redo, or whatever. We throw that and then throw that in their end basket. And then we say, okay, anything else, Scott, that's not that's got your attention that we that we haven't captured in this bucket yet? Oh yeah, I gotta call Bill Smith. We write that down, throw it in your end basket. Oh yeah. I need cat food, we write that down, throw it in your basket. I need life, we write that down, throw it in your end basket. <laughs> doesn't matter. Small, big, little, doesn't matter. What's not on cruise control? That's all we're after. And by the way, anybody listening to this who's had your mind go somewhere else besides what Scott and I have been talking about, that's what we would capture. Because where your mind went was something you have not yet made the appropriate decision about what you need to do or haven't parked in an entrusted system. So that's, we don't have to go far. It's going to look, what's like, oh yeah, my mom, elder care. Oh, see, I just uh, I write it down, throw it in the fence. I just got an email about this thing, uh, opportunity, and I don't know what to do. Write it down, throw it in the basket. So we grab it all. By the way, that takes one to six hours for most people, just to identify, not to clarify, not to not to organize, not to not to do anything with it, but just to just grab it, just get it out of their psyche, because you can all remember one at a time, round and round that are that are open loops in there. Oh, that's all. That's the first thing we do is as best we can grab or identify placeholders for all those open loops. And again, it takes as many hours as it takes. And so. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's a, that's step one, is just getting that into one place. But then you can't leave it there. You know, even that will be healing for a whole lot of people. They've never even done that exercise before. Um, but if you leave it there, you might create compulsive list makers that are just making lists all over God and creation. And that, that doesn't help either. You got to throw all those lists of your entry and then get your entry empty within 24 to 48 hours. And the way you get it empty is not by finishing everything that's in there, but by clarifying and organizing what's in there. You know, and then and then dealing with it so that your input is now clean for the next new inputs that are coming in in terms of how you do that. So then the next usually two days it usually takes to work one-on-one -on -one with somebody just to just to implement the process for themselves. First of all, just to identify the stuff they've got attention on. And then secondly, to go through the clarified and organized process where they then go through each one of those items one at a time. Gee, you know, what's your next action? Is this actionable? Yes or no? If it is, what's the next action? Will one action finish this? No, then what's the project? And then making sure they have some sort of a list management system that they trust they can impart the results of that thinking in. And that takes the rest of usually a day and a half to actually set that up. But most people, that's not wasted time. Most people, it's like, oh my God, those two days changed my life just to walk through that process. But I didn't make any, I didn't, I didn't add anything. I didn't, I didn't give them any coaching about what they should be doing. I didn't do any of that. All I did was start to identify what's banging around and what do you need to do with that so that you appropriately engage with whatever that is. So that's the algorithm I discovered. Because I've done, you know, substantive consulting. Hey, where are you going in your business? What do you need to do? And therefore, you know, so I have other models that would deal with, you know, okay, what you sh potentially should be doing or how best to think about strategy, et cetera. But this process is so powerful itself because once people get their head clear, they're much clearer about their own strategies. It kind of shows up organically. Amazing. So what's the most common problem you see with uh, people who struggle with productivity? Mm, they're not focused on outcome and action thinking. They're a victim. I'm bothered by my neighbor who thinks that they more of my property. Great, what's your outcome? <laughs> your mom's birthday's coming up. What's the outcome? <laughs> you just find out you have to be responsible for your mom's or your dad's elder care. What's the outcome? <laughs> and most people won't sit down and go, okay, wait a minute. What do I what am I trying to what's my desired outcome? And then what's my next action? And that outcome and action thinking is the that's the zeros and ones of productivity to begin with. What are you trying to produce? And how do you allocate or reallocate your resources to make it happen? That that is productivity, right? That's the effective productivity algorithm, if you will. And most people have a lot of stuff in their life and work. They don't do that thinking about, and that's the biggest, in you know, uh, hindrance to their productivity. If you want to go on a vacation to relax, if that's your prime directive and your prime outcome, and you don't relax, that's unproductive. So what do you need to do to relax right, about this vacation? Well, I need to set the vacation. I need to make sure this is all handled. I need to make sure that whatever, whatever, I don't know, what I need to make sure I've scheduled massages appropriately for me and my life partner. And I've, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't focus on outcomes. They don't focus on action steps because you're not born doing, you didn't hop out of your mom and go, gee, mom, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the next step? Is that yours or mine? You know, that, that's a learned behavior. 
and it's a learned behavior. A lot of people, they, they know what it is, and it's not a new skill, but it's an applied cognitive focus that most people avoid like the plague about a lot of stuff. And then that creates the negative result of the feeling of overwhelm. Good to know. Now, let's take it right from the book. Uh, what's the next action step after reading your book? So, outcome-based, we want to organize our life. And if, from what I grabbed from it was a filing cabinet with a label maker. Uh, you know, after we're purging everything and all our old files. Yeah, well, part two of my book was actually walking people through my one-on-one coaching process that developed over many years and thousands of hours of people. So that is a step-by-step thing to do you know, about this. Uh, so there are steps there. And, you know, you don't have to do all of them. Come on, this is, none of this is like running with scissors. You know, you, there's nothing dangerous about any of this. If you just write a few more things down than you would or make a few next action decisions sooner than later about stuff, it'll improve your life. So n- this is not like, God, you have to do all this to make anything work. Any of this will work. But if you really want to be pristine about this, the first thing to do is to set aside a good day or day and a half or maybe two days if you can afford it and say, I'm going to actually implement this process. Get a big stack of blank paper a nice writing pen, an in basket, and go through step one, write everything down on a piece of paper that's got your attention, and throw it in your in basket. And then once you've done that, which will take one, two, three, four hours, by the way, that means you need to walk into every closet, every, every drawer in your desk, walk around your house, walk around your company, walk around, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And in my book, I have a whole, you know, sort of um, uh, incompletion triggered list. So, okay, projects that should be started, projects that have been started that haven't finished. What are the things you need to talk about to people? What do you, you know? So I, I've got, I got a good trigger list that will help spring some of these things out that most people have ignored or tried to stuff down or forgotten that they committed to, but they're still real. So we're... So that process, that's the first step of the process. That's what, that's what somebody ought to do if they wanted to start to get really clear about it. And then they walk through the process of taking, then, then emptying out that stack of all the stuff they created by going through each one and saying, okay, what is this? Is it actionable? Yes or no? If no, it's toss it, tickle it, or file it. If it's a non-action on it, then you either, I don't need this, though, so just throw it away. Uh, it's rare. It's I need to need to keep this. Great. You need to make sure you have a good place to file it. And that's back to your point about the filing system. You need a, a quick and easy, easily accessible filing system, both digital and paper based, so you can, so you can file it fast. You know, mm-hmm. get it, don't don't have it lie around to file. You'll never do it. So you need to file it fast, or you might need to trigger it. Say, you know, in two weeks I need to be reminded about this again. Great, so you need to have a system to be able to do that. If it is actionable, then what's the next action? Is that an email to send, a phone call to make, whatever? And then if you can do it in two minutes, you should do it right then. If not, you then need to have a system and then organize that into some sort of a system of of reminder lists, errands to run, stuff to talk to people about, stuff you need to handle, whatever. So that's, you know, setting up that, that, that personal system of lists you know, in some sort of trusted systems, you can be reminded when you go out for errands, where do I see all the errands I've come up with that I need to do? Where is that? 
and that can be low tech. You can keep a file folder of errands you need to run with paper in it. You can keep a, a paper planner with a page called errands to run with just the list on there. And you can hundreds, there are hundreds of list managers out there that have been modeled on my system you know, that, you could, that you could buy and install if you like digital. So you can go see your errands list on your iPhone or, or, or your Android or whatever you do, whatever you're looking at. So that's basically what the process is. It's not rocket science. It's basically what everybody does in some way, to some degree, uh, whenever they're trying to get control of their life. But yeah. you know, we just you know give you a model about how to do that pristinely and 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 keep it current and make it complete. That's a very that's a transformation course so how do you make it fun to file what's it was a good tip oh come on well first of all you need a you need a label maker you must you know and here's actually my favorite now which is the the, the dymo uh, pnp yep. you know plug and play I, I just plug this in and all i all i do is if i want to make a file called uh at220 all i have to do is on my back here hit Dymo, and I, I type it in, and then I hit click, and it runs out, and I come off, and I go, I go label. So labels, there's a magic to them. You know, I've never been able to totally explain it to anybody except people who have labelers. They go, I understand. And once you actually create a, a printed label for anything, it just makes such a difference in terms of how you manage that and how you organize it. So, yeah, uh, label, label, labels are great. You can't beat them. Yeah. Never had anybody start to label. Never had anybody start to label things that went back to hand. Ever. <laughs> I'll be a firm believer. For the first couple of days, I hand wrote it, and then you open your filing cabinet, you can't read, can't read it fast enough, and then ordered it. Game changer, like you said. Never went back. <laughs> Not only that, when it's handwritten, it looks funky and informal, and it's very formal and real stuff that's in there. So there's something about the disconnect between a handwritten label. And a and a, you know, and a and a typeset label. Again, I, I don't know that I fully understand why all of that, but I know it's true. Yeah, and it, it goes miles too when you when you're sitting down with someone that if you bring a professional folder that is labeled, oh, it just it sets you apart. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it really does. Now, yeah, I know. <laughs> Now, uh, I have a couple of bonus questions before we wrap things up. Uh, James Fallows wrote in the foreword for the second edition, he says, two of my tests for a book are whether I remember it in a month or two or after I've read it and whether it will affect my view of the world. Both tests, getting things done is, for me, a success. Um, and that, that's how it was for me. I, like we were speaking before, it, it was transformational. I you know I always recommend this book. If, if your, your life is just unorganized mess and you're bouncing from idea to idea this this will just set as such a strong foundation you know and and i keep referring back to it and I've, I've i read a book a week and some things i can't remember but this one has always stuck with me for the last few years so you know how does it feel to transform so many lives do a lot of people reach out and thank you yeah, I get them every day. So Scott, yeah, uh, that's been the, the grace of my life. That somehow I was able to stumble onto something that, that no matter who I talk to, we're teaching kids seven, eight, and nine years old. I've never seen any, 
in a cultural difference, in a, in a gender difference, in a, in a, and this is such a human condition that this, that this addresses for people to have a busy life that want to, you know, manage that optimally, you know, with the, the, the least amount of stress and, and pressure. And so, you know, that's been a, a huge grace in, in my life. Interestingly, it's not just the people out of control. The funny thing about this is the people who are most attracted to this are the people who need it the least. Now, already the most productive, most proactive, most already system-oriented. They already know systems are great. I'm sure when you ran across this, you already had your systems. You weren't a systemless person. You know, you'd already tried this, that, and the other thing. You already were, were grappling with it, but you were just, your own creativity and productivity were moving out beyond what your systems could manage really well. So the, that's the grace of my life, is I get to deal with some of the best, brightest, and busy people on the planet. You know, if somebody that is not even aware of the value of a system, they're going, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, you know, I don't even want, they're not interested in what I'm doing because they're not even aware that they have an improvement opportunity that they should be. But most people have thrown themselves out of their own comfort zone simply because of their own productivity. So now you've created more, you've got, you've invested more, you're now involved in a lot more things than you ever were before, but your systems haven't caught up with you. So that's a lot of, that's probably the most popular population that I deal with are, are those folks. So I get the best and brightest. I mean, come on, Howard Stern told me this changed his life. You, know, you, know, you, you get, you get, you get a, a Will Smith or a, or a Robert Downey Jr. that then give their books, my book to their friends, you know, because they, of course they're managing their own huge businesses in addition to their own acting careers and radio careers and whatever. But, you know, Howard, you know, hired my coach she's his COO now because it just so changed his ability to be able to learn to paint and have room to do that as well as manage serious and all of his radio businesses so I, I can say that publicly because he said it publicly mm-hmm. so you know, I, I, I didn't break any confidences by, by, by sharing those things but that you know, it's the really those of you listening to this who, who are already productive you know hey come on guys there's a whole new level of game to give you more space because that's what you're after. You don't need time. You need room. You're probably already filled up to here with your own creativity. You just need more room to do more cool stuff, and still not give up the cool stuff you're already doing. So that's the promise that, that this holds, I think, for for you and others like like you. Scott. Yeah, leveling up. <laughs> um, now, what was it like to do a TED talk? Oh, chat. Uh, some of the toughest things I've ever done. Try to try to get this message down to 18 minutes. Are you <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that? Because give me two days and I can sort of convince somebody about this, uh, but give me 18 minutes and like, oh my god, you know, well I think Mark Twain or whatever says, look, you, you know, if I can write a 10-page letter, that's easy. If you want me to put it in a paragraph, it's going to take me two years to figure that out. So trying to simplify this and get a message, and obviously I couldn't. Uh, I just finished my third TED talk uh, in Curacao, uh, and but trying to get that down, getting a, a piece of the message so that it's not a piece of the message is not the whole message, but to make a piece of the message still whole in itself. Hmm. That was a big challenge. Try to figure that out. Interesting. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so trying to figure out an 18-minute ver- 18 version of what is this, because this is such a huge message about how you manage all the aspects of your life. And any one of these could take 
uh, it could take two years for just change, people to change the habit by getting stuff out of their head. So how do you, you know, how do you squeeze all that down into some sort of thing? But very valuable and very useful and, and, and fun. So, Great. Why not? Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you want to tell listeners where they can find out more about you and the programs that you do offer? Hey, just go to gettingthingsdone.com. We've now shrunk ourselves to an IP licensing company pretty much. So all I, all I do is supporting partners that we've certified their master trainers around the world to be able to deliver our work in a trusted way. So BioSmarts in the U.S., is an exclusive distributor of our trainings. If you go anyway, if you go to our website and click on our partners, you'll see where public trainings and all kinds of trainings around the world are being done with this methodology. So that's a lot of what I'm doing is just managing those partnerships. We're in 60 countries now, so kind of where we are, where we're listening to this, and you'll probably find somebody who's doing you know some work in your area, in your language maybe even, because the book's in 30 languages. So. You know, so it, it's out there around the world. So that's a lot of what I'm doing right now. So that's so gettingthingsdone.com. Go check that out. You will find resources that will link you to our free newsletter. You know, some some free articles you can, you can sort of tap into about whatever this is, and you know, get my get my new edition of the book. It came out in 2015 in English anyway, and in several languages too. Uh, we have a new book, Getting Things Done for Teens, Teenagers. Coming out in July in the in the U.S. Great. Because so many people have said, "Oh my God, I wish I'd learned this when I was in high school," or "I wish my kids could get this," or whatever. And so we've finally been able to, you know, create some resources to pull that together and, and create that book. So, you know, just watch for that on your radar. Of course, uh, it's great to know. I think that's that that it's a foundational success, especially for someone in middle school and high school. As a former teacher myself, you know, I, and and I used it, you know, with my students. So they got the, the preview before even the book, but I'll be sure to, to recommend it to the school once it comes out. So yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, David, for being on today. I had a, had a blast. And like I said, I always recommend your book. If, if anybody really needs to become more productive and organize their life, it's, it's something that you'll read and it'll change your life and you'll, you'll keep it forever in one form or another. So thank you. And, I uh, really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, Scott. No, thanks for the invitation. This was yeah. fun. Yeah, Thank you, you too. Best wishes. And that concludes our interview with author David Allen. After decades of in-the-field research and practice of his productivity methods, David wrote the international bestseller, Getting Things Done. It is currently published in over 20 languages. Time Magazine heralded it as a defining self-help business book of its time. In 2015, Dave released a new edition of the book with new insights, updates, and discoveries about the world of getting things done and its many personal and professional applications. People ask me all the time, Scott, what's your favorite book? This is one of my favorite books. I believe it is foundational towards your success, whether that's in business and real estate, or even if you just want to do better in your current job. This book will help you get you there. It will help you focus. It'll help you clear the clutter in your life so you can get through the weeds to focus on what you really need to accomplish in that time. We all want that better life. We want to be able to relax on vacation. Dave teaches you how to do so in this book. Highly recommend you get a copy if you don't have one already. That's it for today. We'll see you next. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Don't forget to subscribe and check us out on Facebook.